Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Good evening, listener. You're listening to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. On tonight's edition, we invite you to leave behind your safe reality and descend with us into the frightening depths of the most terrifying imaginations with two audio adaptations of frightening fiction about wicked wishes. I'm your host, Justin Reynolds, and tonight I'll be your guide as we traverse the dimly lit corridors of your darkest dreams. Joining us tonight to help bring to life the frightening fiction of Micah Edwards is voice talent. Well, it's me. Anyways, now, get your ticket ready. Take your seat in our theater of the minds and brace yourself. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Our tale this evening is written by Micah Edwards and is performed by, well, myself. In it, we meet Richard, a man whose situation screams the adage, be careful what you wish for. Now, without further ado, I present to you, Time to Pay. Hello, this is part three of the Watchmaster Trilogy, written by the exceptionally talented Micah Edwards. The entire trilogy was narrated, produced, and brought to you by my son, Justin. He voiced every character, as well as composing and performing all of the original music contained within these stories. Okay, we do suggest that you listen to the first two installments before listening to this story. 
in order to have context for the events that are about to take place. Please listen to episode 190, The Watchmaster. Then following that, you should listen to the episode titled, What Was Lost? Then lastly, this story that is currently playing. Links in the description below. Thank you to all the listeners of Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Now, enjoy the show. you ever seen such a pretty face? Just a few short months ago that Richard had enjoyed his Saturday nights. They had been a time to unwind, to put down the pens and ledges of work and enjoy the company of friends. He regretted now that he had not appreciated them appropriately. He had looked around his comfortable pub, his familiar friends, his simple pleasures, and found them to be insufficient. He had cast his gaze lustfully at the grand parties of the upper class, Jealous of their lavish houses and endless funds, he had wished that he could walk among them. Monford had granted him that wish. He had unlocked the door and ushered Richard into the social life he had admired from afar. By the time Richard realized it was a trap, it was far too late. He was caught as neatly as any animal in the woods. And like the animals, Richard would gladly have sacrificed his own leg to escape. If only this trap would allow him to break free so easily. The day the trap was sprung had been a day like any other. Richard was walking to his work at the Royal Exchange, his mind already skipping past the duties of the day to consider the evening ahead. He was resigned to another Saturday of drinking, skittles, and watching fights, followed by a hunger for Sunday morning regretting his decisions in church. He had the option not to go out, of course, but then what was he to do? Sit at home? He longed for something different, but he saw no way in which anything could change. Had the day been a bit foggier? Had Richard's mind been a bit more preoccupied? Had a thousand other small things been the slightest bit different? Richard might have ended up in the pub that night. He might have walked past the snare, never knowing how close he had come. 
leaving it for some other unwary passerby. But things were as they were, and Richard was the unlucky target. It was the name on the shop that caught Richard's eye, a rare ray of morning sun glinting off the bold golden script. Montford. The store bore no other decoration, no sign or logo. The windows were frosted glass, flaunting the lack of information about the contents or purpose of the space within. Curiosity seized Richard. He had to know what sort of store this was. He opened the door and stepped inside. It was dimmer in the shop than on the street, and cooler as well. All around was the steady, reverberating tick, a constant beat out of the darkness. In the moment before Richard's eyes adjusted, he half wondered if he had walked into the chest of some gigantic automaton. Surrounded by the tick, he felt as if he were in the middle of a mechanical heart. A lamp on the far wall sputtered to life, lit by a lanky, neatly attired man. Quite early for customers. I am Monfred, and I will be with you shortly. Pardon me as I prepare the shop for the day. Oh, not at all. I only... I, I was just wondering what you sold here. He felt foolish as soon as the words left his mouth. Even in the insufficient light of the windows and the single lamp, it was clear that Montfort sold clocks and watches. They stood in corners, glittered under displays, and studded the walls. They were the source of the heavy, insistent tick. Standing in the center of it, Richard was amazed that he hadn't been able to hear them from outside. Timepieces for the discerning gentleman, said Monford as he continued to light the shop. His eyes flickered up and down behind his gold-rimmed spectacles, taking Richard's measure. Richard was certain that he came up wanting. His suit was serviceable enough for work, but out of fashion and worn at the edges. His hair was in need of a trim. He looked, in short, like what he was. A civil servant getting by as best he could. Richard liked to believe that he was doing all right in the world, but he could not trick himself into believing that he belonged in the sort of store that identified itself by a single word and did not advertise in the windows. He did not know what he had been thinking coming in here in the first place. He was not particularly discerning, and he was definitely not a gentleman. A lovely boutique. Said Richard. He turned for the door, eager to make his escape before he embarrassed himself further. Thank you for satisfying my curiosity. Wait. Let me show you my selection. Perhaps we can find a watch to complement your enterprising spirit. I think the price... Richard began, but Bonford beckoned him over with a confident gesture. Please, indulge me. I have no other customers at the moment, and I do love discussing my work. Besides, as a financier, perhaps. Only a Scribner. Still, a man with upper aspirations and a well-placed to do something about them. I think we may be able to come to an agreement. I prefer my work to be out in the world. A watch sitting in a shop surrounded by others of a dilk is worth nothing at all. It must stand alone in order to have value. Richard walked slowly toward Monfort, drawn by the man's inviting tone and the gleaming glass case before him. The watches within sat on a bed of black velvet and shone like stars in the night sky. 
Some were simple silver affairs, while others were ornately carved and inlaid with gems. Everyone was unique, and everyone was a work of art. I really don't think I'll be able to. He began again, but Montford was already drawing one watch from the case. I think this would be suitable for a man of your ambitions, said Montford, holding it out. Richard reached for it automatically, afraid of compounding his heirs through rudeness. The watch fit into the palm of his hand as if it had been designed for it. It nestled perfectly in the cupped hollow, with the spring release for the cover brushing gently against the base of Richard's little finger. The slightest squeeze and it sprang open, revealing a marvel in silver and moonstone. The hands clicked gently through the bases, marking out the seconds with precision and art. The interior of the lid caught the light and focused it onto the watch face, making the whole thing seem to glow. It exuded style and class. It looked like the future. With a terrible effort, Richard tore his eyes away and closed the lid. He handed the watch back to Montford. An incredible piece of work. You have an amazing talent. To his surprise, Montford did not extend his own hand to receive the watch. He merely inclined his head, accepting the praise. And for such a watch, would you be able to pay hmm, per fortnight, shall we say? I mean, surely it would take me forever to pay for this in fortnightly installments. Montford waved his objection away. Let that be my concern. The watch suits you. I would like to see it leave with you. What could you take from your paycheck without damage to your finances? Richard dithered momentarily, then named a number that was slightly more than he could truly afford. Even so, he was certain Montford would consider it to be insultingly low. He was shocked when the man paused, then nodded. I can accept that if you add one additional piece, a less tangible form of payment, but no less important. If you will usher new custom my way, if you can direct one new customer to me per fortnight, then we have a deal. Richard winced, reluctant to lose the watch, but was driven by honesty. I doubt I know anyone who could properly afford your wares. Monford smiled. Perhaps the watch will bring you luck in that regard. Your part is to send me one new customer every two weeks, along with the rest of your payment, as to whether they are suitable. Again... That'd be my concern. He reached beneath the counter and withdrew a pre-written contract, into which he filled the terms in which they had agreed. He passed it over to Richard, who wrote his name into the buyer's blank and signed it at the bottom. Carry your watch in health, Mr. Griffiths, said Montford, signing his own name in the space for the proprietor. I look forward to a long and profitable relationship between us. Richard opened his new watch to admire the craftsmanship once more. As he did so, every watch and clock in the store struck the hour at once. Each chime was different, but all were perfectly synchronized. The silence between the sounds was almost palpable. It was less mocking of a time than it was a summons to something greater than the world Richard had known. The last chime died away. Reality reasserted itself. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. 
Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Richard suddenly realized that he was now late for work. I'm sorry, I have to go. I'll see you in two weeks, Mr. Griffiths. Richard was still clutching his watch when he rushed into the exchange. One of the financiers for whom he distantly worked, an older man named Joseph Ferguson, called out to him on the way in. Running a bit late, man. Sorry, sir. Isn't that a watch in your hand? It tells the time, doesn't it? It does. Richard held it out apologetically. The cover flipped open as he did so. The watch sparkled brilliantly, throwing fractured glints of sunlight around the room. I say, quite the piece you have there. It's from a shop called Montford, just down the road. Richard remembered the second half of his deal for the watch. I'd be happy to show you if you like. Later, I mean. Not generally my thing. Watches. The church spells do fine for me. Still... Joseph's eyes seemed fixed to the watch. He pulled himself away with a visible shake of his head. I know a man who'd love to see such a piece. Don't suppose you'd be willing to loan it out? Richard hesitated, and Joseph laughed. (laughs) I won't make you say no to me, ma. How's this, then? Albert's having a gathering tonight. I'll take you as my guest, if you'll take that watch as yours. Never hurts to be the man who's found the newest thing. He eyed Richard judgmentally. <sighs> Don't suppose you have a better suit. Well, you're about my son's size. He has more than he knows what to do with. With that watch and better clothes, you'll fit in fine. Joseph clapped him on the back and was gone before Richard could really react. The day passed in hard fits and starts. Richard would check his watch, certain that it had been hours, only to find that less than ten minutes had gone by since he last looked at it. Then suddenly an hour would slip by unnoticed. He daydreamed about the upcoming party, but wasn't fully convinced that the invitation had been real until the end of the day, when Joseph brought him the promised suit. It was a nearly perfect fit and far nicer than anything Richard had previously owned. To his delight, Richard found that he fit into the party as well as he had into the suit. Joseph introduced him to Albert, who, as promised, was extremely taken with the watch. He eagerly accepted Richard's offer of an introduction with Monfort. The evening passed in a whirlwind of sumptuous food and enough drink to ensure that any conversation seemed scintillating. Richard returned home exhausted and thrilled. 
And even though the following day's hangover was enough to make him skip church entirely, he regretted nothing. The social stratum above him was everything he imagined it was, and he had finally been allowed to access it. On Monday evening, Richard brought Albert to Montford's shop, proud to be producing his first payment with such rapidity. I'll have the money for you as well by the end of the week, he told Montford while Albert was engrossed in the watches. I'm certain you will. You seem a man aware of the value of punctuality, and thank you for this introduction. I believe he and I will be able to come to an accord. Albert, having obtained his own Monford watch, had no further need of Richard. Joseph still knew of other engagements where he would be welcomed as an exciting new distraction. However, over the course of the next few weeks, Richard met several more gentlemen of his parties who were eagerly eager to show him off, and his social circle rapidly grew. He ransacked his savings and bought several new suits, anxious not to let his patrons down. Richard had initially worried that he might be unable to find new customers for Montford. He quickly discovered this was unlikely to be a problem. Gentlemen interested in being on the cutting edge of accessories were thick on the ground. His funds, however, less so. At the end of the first month, Richard found himself just short of the payment he had promised to Montford. He gathered together what he could and brought it by, telling himself that Montford would be understanding. He had brought the shop far more than the promised two customers after all. There would be room for leeway. Montford was a gentleman. I see, said Montford when Richard had explained the situation. He accepted the offered coin pouch. This is unfortunate. But of course, we cannot always control our circumstances. On this occasion, I am inclined to be generous. Thank you. I promise it won't happen again. I will hold you to that promise. Montford delivered the sentence lightly, but his eyes were intense. In fact, I believe I may be able to assist you with keeping it, if you would not take such a gift amiss. No, of course. I would be in your debt. Just so. Montford held Richard in his gaze for precisely one second longer than was comfortable. The tick of the shop felt like a physical bond. You may expect it at your place of residence tomorrow. Richard thanked him again and turned to leave. Montford's voice arrested him just as he was reaching for the door. Mr. Griffiths, please do not allow word of my generosity to get out. I am running a business here after all. I cannot make such exceptions for everyone. Montford's tone seemed slightly more ominous than the words implied. Richard puzzled over it on the way to work, but the demands of work quickly drove such idle conversations from his head. The senior scrivener, Thomas, did not show up for work that day, which meant that Richard and his fellows were forced to pick up his share of the tasks. By the end of the day, he had no mental energy left to worry about what Montford might have meant. The next day, Thomas remained absent, and work was more of the same. Richard dragged himself home afterward, intending only to eat his supper and retire to an early bed, but was surprised to find a delivery man waiting for him at his lodging. From Monford, said the man, pressing a parcel the size of a hat box into Richard's hands. He scuttled off into the evening as soon as the box had left his hands. 
The box was far too large to contain a watch. It was oddly warm to the touch, though Richard put that down to an overzealous grasp by the delivery man. Curious what Montford might have sent him, Richard opened the box as soon as he was inside. interpreted by a charnel house. The hands were thin slivers of bone. The lettering on the dial was inscribed into small ivory slabs that looked to have been cut from teeth. The face was the most horrifying part. It was a literal face, sliced free from the man whom it had belonged, and stretched taut to hide the clockwork from view. Worse, Richard recognized the face. It was the missing Scrivener, Thomas. A sudden knock at the door caused Richard to yelp in surprise again. I, I, in a moment, I... Griffiths. It was the lodger down the hall, Lawrence. You're right there. Wildly, Richard looked around. He couldn't be seen with the gruesome clock. Montford's warning about not letting his generosity be known leapt into sudden, horrifying focus. He had killed Thomas as a warning. He would kill Richard just as easily. Griffiths! Richard threw his coat over the box and hastily opened the door a crack. Yes, yeah, sorry. I just shouted. Everything all right? Yes, yes. I only... I thought I saw a rat. Rats? Uh, we paid too much for that sort of thing. We'll have to have a talk with the landlady. Visions of her insisting on searching his apartment and finding Montford's terrible clock leapt into Richard's mind. No, no. It, it's, it's fine. I, uh, I only thought I saw one. Turned out to be just a shadow. Long day, you know. <laughs> Mine's playing tricks on me. I see. <laughs> Lawrence looked unconvinced. He peered over Richard's shoulder as if looking for a rat to prove the lie. Richard was thankful he had covered the clock. Well, try to keep it down, would you? Of course. Richard closed the door. His heart was hammering. He reluctantly returned his attention to Monfort's gift. Thomas's face stared back at him in a frozen expression of horror. Gears turned behind his empty eyes. His mouth was open in a thin slit. The dial was marked not with numbers, but with letters. They did not follow any pattern that Richard understood until he realized that there were 14 of them, not 12. They were the days of the week, pacing out a fortnight. The hunt was currently most of the way to the first Wednesday. The hunt pointed straight up. Instead of ending in an hour, the hunt terminated in a round silver disc. 
two riches whole, he realized that Thomas's potted lips were the right size to accept coins. He tentatively deposited a shilling. The hand moved smoothly forward a small amount. Richard had no doubt that if he calculated the distance it had traveled, he would find that it marked off exactly one shilling's worth of his fortnightly payment to Montford. The money was stored in a small detachable bag of pale leather, cunningly concealed in the bottom of the clock. The material was soft, supple, in the same shade as the face of the clock. Richard did his best not to think what it was made of as he touched it. When he removed it from the clock, the coin hung reset to zero. The hand marking the days continued its inexorable march forward. The tick of the clock sounded like a heartbeat, counting out the remaining hours of Richard's life. It was perfectly in sync with the tick of the watch in his pocket. Richard hid the clock in the cupboard, but his dreams that night were haunted by Thomas's staring face and the constant, inescapable tick. He was trapped by Montford's creations. Next morning, Richard charged into Montford's shop, the watch already in his hand. Montford's back was to the door, yet he spoke before Richard could even utter his first word. It is possible that you have come here today to attempt to return my watch and break our contract. Know that I would consider this an extremely grave insult. I will instead, therefore, assume that having received my kind gift, you have come to express your appreciation for my assistance and keeping to your word. If that is all, consider it said. Richard turned and left without a word. The week ground on. The distance between the time and Gornhans on Montford's clock grew even wider. When Richard received his pay at the end of the week, he forced almost every coin into the hoard receptacle, desperate to see progress being made. He stayed at home that weekend, shunning both pubs and parties. He did not attend church on Sunday, afraid of the talk if he was seen not to tithe. He could not afford to. He had not even set aside enough money to eat. On Monday, Joseph took him aside at work. Richard was certain the quality of his work had slipped, and he was about to be reprimanded. Perhaps he would even lose his job. He had no idea what to do if that happened. He could not disappoint Monford. He prepared to throw himself on Joseph's mercy. How would you like to be the senior scrivener? Richard stared, mouth agape. This was not the conversation he had expected. I can understand how this might feel like stealing from Thomas, but it's been a week. The man's abandoned us. It is right, of course, but we can't go on a man down for much longer. I see what it's doing to all of you. You look harried, man. Positively unwell. Richard still said nothing. Joseph pressed on. You'll oversee the other's work in addition to your own, with a particular eye on whichever new man we pick to fill your old spot. It's an extra half crown a day. What do you say to that? Thomas's stretched face with its thin, hungry mouth swam into Richard's mind. An extra half crown would go far toward feeding those demanding lips. He said yes. <laughs> Good man. Good man. I imagine you've been having quiet evenings.
meetings this week to recover from all the work we've dumped on you. But can I talk you into another gathering this Sunday? Oscar is taking up some foreign dignitaries he's invited in. And I'd love to show him up with that Montford piece you have. Bridget started to shake his head until he realized that he had not brought anyone to Montford's shop in the last two weeks. His payment was due in Monday, and the desperately hoarded coins were only half of it. He did not dare disappoint Montford again. He forced a smile to his face. I'd be delighted. Excellent. Well, back to work with you, man. There's bills to be paid after all. Richard needed no reminding of that fact. The tick of the watch in his pocket taunted him with it with every passing second. He wanted to smash it, to throw it into the river, anything to never hear that sound again. But he knew that without it, the invitations to the parties would dry up. His access to potential customers for Monford would cease, and Monford, having already been generous once, certainly would not be again. Once Richard had spent his Saturdays in crowded pubs, wishing he could break into the bodies of the wealthy and the elite, now he spent every weekend among them, collecting names to pay his debt and wishing for nothing more than to once again be a nobody in a pub. Every visit to Montford with a socialite in tow bought Richard another few days of relief. He did not stop to wonder what happened to those he introduced. He just kept searching for the next willing victim. The next sacrifice that would briefly reset the ravenous clock ticking away his mortality. For the most part, he never heard the fate of the new customers he introduced to Montford. He was grateful for those. He could tell himself that they had simply bought a watch and moved on with their lives. They were fine watches after all. He was not always so lucky. Some, like the gruesome death of the socialite Charles Walker Woods made the papers. It was the talk of all the bodies as well. There were many theories as to what had happened, but no one knew for sure. No one except Richard, and of course, Monford himself. Richard had never asked Monford how long until the contract was paid off. He knew now that was a critical mistake. One that would haunt him for the rest of his life. I hope you enjoyed Time to Pay, 
as written by Micah Edwards and is performed, produced, and music written by Justin Reynolds. Yeah, that's me again. Moving along. Micah Edwards resides in Richmond, Virginia, the world's premier home of authors named Micah Edwards. Apparently, the state is swimming with him. Hey, Micah. His works run the gamut from superhero noir, as seen in the Experiment series, to nonfiction conversational retellings of the Bible. He has rewritten horror stories for children and fairy tales for adults. More information and more stories can be found at micah-edwards.com. Give him a look, will you? This next line is certainly true. I do have an intense adoration for music. I do love all the artistic and creative endeavors of life, from beautiful to the ugly. You can no doubt tell this by all the music and sound effects, and I guess the overall tone of the stories in my later catalog of recordings. I have tried to bring a bit of cinematic touch to these productions. You know, it's just fun, you know? Alright, enough of that. On to the shows. Longtime resident and powerhouse Otis Jiry has his very own show here on our network, Scary Stories Told in the Dark, which you can hear every Sunday night. On that note, be sure to check out the other shows we offer on our network. We have Fear from the Heartland, featuring horror stories brought to you from the Heartland airing Wednesdays. Eric Peabody's Horror Hill, a podcast dedicated to some of our deeper and darker tales. We hope you check them out. Drew Blood's Dark Tales airs Fridays, featuring some southern down-home horror. Now, our weekly descent into the depths has just about come to a close. But before we go, I'd like to take a moment to thank you for joining us for tonight and remind you to take a moment to stop by our iTunes page and leave Chilling Tales for Dark Nights a five-star review in a kind word. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, if you haven't already. And of course, subscribe to us on YouTube, where you can find an archive of our work going back to 2012. And consider signing up as a patron on our website, ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com, to show your support and get all of the content ad-free. I'm your host of the evening, Justin Reynolds, and it's been a pleasure... Tune in again next week when we once again turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Sweet dreams, listener. Sweet dreams. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, 
You can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.